This is Amy Cohen Epstein, founder, president, and executive director of the Lynn Cohen Foundation and The Seam, the series for education and awareness in medicine. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing researchers, doctors, scientists, female founders, entrepreneurs to talk about women's health, wellness, and preventive care. Take a listen. I am so excited and very much looking forward to talking to you today, Shaney Joe, and to talk about Keep Abreast Foundation. And let's just jump right into it. Tell me how you started this, why you started it, and sort of where it is now. Well, Keep Abreast has been around for 23 years. It's quite a long time. And I started the organization really just to help one person. I had a friend who was diagnosed with breast cancer and she was in her late 20s at the time and I was too and <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> and um, it was kind of one of those things like back then we didn't have GoFundMe. We didn't even have Instagram or Facebook, you know, none of that stuff existed. So there was no way to raise money for her without getting out there and actually doing something the old school way. And I was part of a community creating art exhibitions and art shows. So I decided, well, let's do what I know how to do, which is making an art show. So I started plastering all my friends' breasts (laughs) with plaster and creating these three-dimensional sculptures. I had all the artists that I knew paint them. We had an exhibition, raised money, and that was it. It was really just meant to be a one-time event, Keep Abreast to Help One Person. And now we're here still 23 years later doing, you know, grassroots education about cancer prevention all around the world. Okay. So there's so much to even just dive into right there. So our foundations are actually very much alike in many sort of fundamental ways. This is the 25-year anniversary of the Lynn Cohen Foundation, 23 years for Keep Abreast. Yeah. So good. It's that's amazing. A big deal. Yeah, that's a big one. That's we'll a big one. It. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the um, incredible oncologists, breast oncologists that we work with actually at NYU in New York, she said this to me so many times over the last 25 years that it's like ingrained into my head. She said it after five years, 10 years, 15, 20, and then just again a few months ago. But she says to me, you know, it's not such a big deal to start something. You know, lots of people start things like foundations when tragedy strikes, especially those with means or with the ability to do something that have a talent or, you know, know how to get it going. And there are people like us who just know how to do it, right? Right. But what is extraordinary is the fact that we've kept it going because most people move on with their lives. Life, you know, it's true. Like other things come up, your life moves and grooves and shakes in different directions. But to stick with it and then to grow in the way that we both have over the last two and a half, nearly decades is really significant and amazing. So yeah, a big pound to both of us. So I want to talk about that. First of all, to back up a second on the art, side of it, I think it's incredible. And I don't know if you knew this, but my mom's really her whole life was steeped in the art community. She was an art history major in college. She was an art docent for many years at MOCA and MoMA in Los Angeles. She used to take us to museums when we were young with like a pad of paper and a pencil or pen, and we had to write notes. I mean, that was a huge part of our life. She owned a gallery for the last 
I think 15 years of her life, which was a huge deal and really phenomenal. She was really tight with the California contemporary artist community. So there's just a lot of overlap between us. So tell me how you've kept this going for 23 years, because I know how significant that is and kept it fresh. And, you know, you started when I started, which was there was none of this. There were no podcasts. There was no Instagram. There was no, basically no websites and internet. No. So it's a really different game now. So we've had to grow and, and you know, really change over the years. So just share with me that process that you've gone through. I love that story about your mom. Thanks for sharing that with me. And I also grew up around a lot of art and appreciating art. My dad collected like Native American mm-hmm. artwork and um, he's Native. So I always had this real appreciation of art and fashion. And I always knew when I grew up, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And so that was my career. Like I worked for many years designing clothing in the skateboarding industry. Oh, wow. And so um, when I started Keep Abreast, it was within that community. All the artists that we originally worked with were artists from skateboarding, from surfing, from snowboarding. And so it was really that community getting together to show support for someone in their own community. And so Keep Abreast, our mantra is art, education, prevention, and action. And it has always been that since day one. And so starting a nonprofit the way, you know, Keep Abreast was started was we started it like a skateboard company or like we were a band on tour. There's nothing traditional about it. And I didn't know how to start a nonprofit. So I just learned everything along the way, how it goes, you know? And so being able to, I think from day one, personally, I didn't understand the concept of a cure. I couldn't wrap my head around, well, there's no cure for chickenpox. Like, how is there a cure for breast cancer. And I was young at the time. And I was like, well, no one's talking to me about this. No one's talking to me about my breast health. No one taught me how to do a self-check. No one told me about the chemicals in beauty products and cleaning products and food and all these things. Like my mom was like a hippie and she never even talked to me about this stuff. So I was like, well, I have a core group of friends that I know I can educate. And like, let's just start there. And that core group of people within the action sports industry grew to going on tour. Keep Abreast was invited on the Vans Warp Tour. And we traveled all over the country every summer for 20 years, educating young people, like how to do their self-check, how to, you know, learn about, you know, non-toxic deodorant, cleaning products, hair dyes, all these things. So we've just been really lucky to have the support from our core community. And we're still the same today. So yes, we change. Yes, we evolve. Yes, we have new programs. You know, things happen over the years, but Keep Abreast is still the same organization as it was when we started it, you know, 23 years ago. I still make the breast casts. We're having an exhibition in San Diego this year. I'm working on an exhibition in Mexico City next year. So yeah, it's just like sticking true really to what you believe in. Mm Surrounding yourself with a community of other like-minded nonprofits, organizations, brands that support your message. I mean, there's a lot of organizations out there that, you know, don't believe in prevention, don't believe in early detection, that flat out tell me, oh, we won't work with you. You know, like (laughs) you're focusing on young people and early detection. No, no. So you just like 
stay true to your heart. That's how you can keep doing something for so long. A hundred percent. We just had a fundraiser a couple of weeks ago and I was talking and I said those exact words yeah. that, you know, the only way that we've been, I've been able to keep doing this, that we've been able to keep doing this is by always staying true to our mission and always staying true to our fundamental values and never compromising the integrity of the foundation. Exactly. Right? So you, the core has always stayed the same. It's just being able to keep growing and evolving around that. Yeah. But if you, if, you know, if you swerve away from what you really started with when it was started out of such purity and so organically, right? Yeah. You can't keep going because then you kind of have no direction. Right. And I think there's something really innocent and sweet and amazing the way that you started this foundation, which was very similar to how I did, which is just learning and just doing it. Because I feel like that's how most people grow really great businesses, you know, nonprofits, for-profits, whatever. You just dive in and do it. Yeah. And if you have a really strong mission and if you had a really strong cause and reason for what got you motivated in the first place, then I kind of think you're golden, you know, and you just sort of keep moving and going along from there. I love the community that you've sort of always been around in this sort of skateboarding, surfing community, snowboarding. That's actually a huge part of my own family's life. Um, I have a son who's all my kids, but my middle son in particular so is fun. a skateboarder, surfer, and snowboarder. And so I know that community pretty well. And it's it's such a dynamic, I guess, really grassroots and like go get it done group of people. So it makes a lot of sense. And I see how, you know, the foundation that you've created has been able to keep moving along in the right direction. Tell me about how you're so international and how you have such an incredible presence literally all over the world. I mean, that's that's really rare and unique. Uh, we became international really early on because of surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first brands that we worked with really from day one was Roxy. Uh-huh. And many of the Roxy writers, Lisa Anderson, Cassia Metter, Megan Abubo, many of those girls at that time all had family members who were going through breast cancer. And so we just started working with Roxy, doing the breast cast exhibitions. We would go to Biarritz every year. They would take us to Hawaii, you know, many beautiful places around the world doing these exhibitions. And still today we work with Roxy. So they've been our longest partner who took us internationally and with their home base being in France, led us to starting Keep Abreast Europe. So because we worked with them so much and had so much support from their community, we started Keep Abreast Europe based in France. So we have a team there doing great work and uh, it's exciting to just see the numbers actually, because I'm sure we'll talk about with the Keep Rest app. Yeah. You know, you can really see around the world, like actual numbers of your impact. And it's hard sometimes to show impact when you are based on education. Yeah, definitely. And it's amazing because I think when I was in high school, it was just even like middle school, it was the tail end of having those placards in on the back of the bathroom stall where they would show how to give yourself a self-breast really? exam. Yeah. They were like a few of them. And I think also when I would, I grew up in LA. And so if I'd go to UCLA to like hang out or go to the library, you would see them. Not a lot of them, but they would be there. And then they all disappeared. Yeah, I never saw that. Yeah, and they they existed and then they all went away. You know, there was that big push about 
you know, false positives or false negatives. Right, so right. they were encouraging girls. They weren't, I don't think they were encouraging girls not to do it, but they were not encouraging it at all. Right. Which I don't agree with, obviously. <laughs> they. Yeah, the they. Thanks, they. Thanks, they. Which <laughs> Thanks, are they. a bunch of old men, you know, <laughs> sitting around a table. The same ones who've now decided that we should, you know, go earlier for our mammograms. But we'll talk about that. Um, so I think there's this, this sense that you and I have been promoting preventive care and wellness in the greater sense of the word, kind of before it was a thing, you know, before it was like cool. And it's, it is so important because the word cure doesn't really exist in this world, you know, right? It doesn't exist in the world of, I mean, my world is breast and ovarian cancer. There's, there's no, there's no cure. Even if you have cancer and you're cured, you're still for the rest of your life on high alert. Yeah. Um, even if you're told you don't need to be, you are. And if you have breast cancer, you're immediately put at high risk for other cancers. So the idea of prevention is, you know, it's so obvious. <laughs> it's the way to tackle this. And, and even for survivors. Even for, of course, and you know. sometimes even more so. I mean, yeah. the number of women I've met over the years who have said to me, usually about their moms, oh my God, my mom had breast cancer and she beat it and won. And five years later was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and was dead within six to nine months. I mean, that's, you know, been a conversation I've had dozens of times or vice versa, (laughs) ovarian and then breast, because you sort of move on from it, you know, which I can understand. It's a grueling, horrible process. And then you don't want to think about any of the other parts of your body. So preventive care is so essential, starting when they're young and getting to healthy women. So that's always been a real a real tough thing for us is, you know, we have preventive care clinics for women who are potentially increased risk for breast ovarian cancer and give them access to the highest quality of preventive care with breast oncologists, gynecologic oncologists, genetic counselors, genetic testing, a whole lifestyle psychosocial component. But you're talking about healthy women. So, you know, that's been a really tricky thing to do. What's been sort of your... I don't know, your secret or how, you know, how you've tackled that and getting preventive care messaging out to young, healthy women to take control of their health and wellness, which is sort of my creed. Yeah. I mean, we've tackled it in a way that kind of back to, you know, being a band or a skateboard brand, you know, would. Mm -hmm. We made it cool. You know, so we created educational materials that were cool looking, that were designed by amazing designers, not like looking like something a nurse is going to give you or something scary or something creepy. You know, we created the I Love Boobies bracelets and the campaign and we had, you know, surfers, rock stars all wearing this stuff. And so making it less taboo, making it a conversation piece. You see someone in the grocery store or someone wearing an I Love Boobies bracelet and you're like, hey, what is that? So it's a way to talk about something that is scary that we don't normally talk about, but it's also a way for someone to show their support for someone going through it. And so if you see someone, they're like, oh, well, I'm wearing this for my mom or for my aunt, and they'll start a conversation that they wouldn't normally be having at Home Depot, in a grocery store line, in the most random places. And we go to places where young people are. And so 
as opposed to like having a stationary place, like a clinic where people come to us, we go to surf contests, we have our little booth and we're there, you know, we're at Malibu every summer, you know, for the Malibu classic, we go on music festivals, we go to skate events. So we go where people are, where they're having fun, where they're having a great day and we're there available for people just to share their experience. Maybe they're going through something really hard and they want to talk to someone about it that looks like them, or they want to just come up and learn, you know? And a lot of times it's a young couple or someone with their mom, and then maybe they'll come back the next year and they'll see us and they'll be like, hey, I took your information. I brought it home. And, you know, luckily my mom had found a lump. It wasn't anything, but because of this, we wouldn't be having these conversations. So I think we're really good at starting conversations in places that you wouldn't normally expect. Yeah. That's awesome. We have a... That's our secret. That's amazing. I love it. We <laughs> Go have, to the people. Yeah, you have to. Don't wait for them. No. In New York, we have this incredible like mobile bus, you know, that goes through different communities and spends a lot of time in lower income communities too. Gals get out and, you know, jump out and are talking about yeah. breast cancer awareness, ovarian cancer awareness. Awesome. And it's a has a mobile mammogram screening machine in it. I mean, it's pretty amazing. But it's the only way to do it and yeah. really to get people knowledgeable about their own bodies, women comfortable with their bodies and talking about it, you know? Exactly. Tell me about your work in the BIPOC community. Well, we started an awesome program in 2020. <clears throat> it was our 20th anniversary and we were doing a big breast cast exhibition in Nashville. And it was huge. It was 87, 88 pieces. Wow. And so- Are you still doing all of them? Yes, oh I make God. all the casts, except for the ones in Europe. I have okay. um, people making them. But then different there. artists paint them. Different artists paint them. Okay. So I make them all. For the Nashville show, it took three years of preparation because I would travel to Nashville and each time make a set of casts wow. and then send them out to the artists. So it takes quite a long time. And then the artists all volunteer. So they need time to paint and obviously make their creation beautiful. And it was like... COVID had happened. It was 2020. It was our 20th anniversary. We had this, all these huge things. And we were like, what are we going to do? We ended up having an exhibition space that was donated to us in East Nashville. And we were able to have it open during COVID with all the precautions and like limited people in mass and all that kind of stuff. But usually whenever we go to different cities, we've had these exhibitions in Paris, Tokyo, like many places around the world, we always try to partner with a local organization to leave a like lasting impact and not just kind of like show up, do our thing and leave, you know, how can we create some type of, you know, energy community there or just give money? Like, how can we be a part of it? And so during that time, it was COVID. It was the height of everything going on with Black Lives Matter. And there was a lot of organizations in that area that were specifically dedicated to Black women and breast cancer. So we started reaching out to see, can we give a percentage of what we sell of the casts from the auction to a local organization? And I think many of those organizations were maybe really overwhelmed at that time, understandably, Mm -hmm. and no one was getting back to us. So I was like, okay, well, 
I'm just going to start my own thing <laughs> as usual. You just yeah. take care of it yourself. Yeah. And um, so we started a program called the Give Back Grant Program, which is specifically for women of color who are breast cancer survivors. And we give them $500 cash grants. Whoa. And it's just like easy. It's like they can spend the money on rent, their own business, self-care, really whatever they want, like no red tape, make it easy. And it's just supposed to be a small grant to give a little bit of joy, a little bit of love, a little bit of like, hey, we support you. And yeah, so this is, we're going into our fourth grant season right now. The applications open on August 1st. So August 1st, the cycle opens. And last year we received more than 500 applications. The first year, in Nashville, we gave 16 women grants. Yeah. The following year, we were able to give 240. Wow. And then last year, we were able to give more than 400. Wow. So to date, in the last couple of years, we've given away 747 grants, more than 300 something thousand dollars. Like, it's a lot. Yeah. And um, it's exciting. And the feedback that we're getting is just that it's helpful people feel seen and it's helping us create a community around women of color to provide more support, more education, more resources through Keep Abreast. So we have different education sections on our website specifically for the LGBTQ community, women of color, male breast cancer, because as you know, it affects different people and different communities differently. Yeah. You know, I know um, on one of your recent podcasts, I was listening about the, you know, Jewish community, how it affects them differently as well. So it's not, breast cancer is not this like one disease, you know, so. No, it's not equal. Yeah. (laughs) It's not equal racially, like in in many different ways. So we're trying to help in that community the best way that we can. And Yeah. And it's, to me, it's also, you know, a lot of people talk about that and they say, well, you know, a lot of it's access to care and access to high quality healthcare, which it absolutely is. It's also a comfort level, right? It's like a comfortability with demanding the best care that you can get. Yeah. And not ignoring things and speaking up for yourself, talking to your family members about diseases they might know about that exists within your family line. How do you deal with that? And then, you know, getting that information that can help them figure out and determine, you know, what they need to do to stay healthy. And that's really different in different communities. And breaking down those barriers is really hard and it can be really hard. So getting educational materials in their hands is is life-saving. And that's why we have our app. (laughs) Yeah, which is amazing. (laughs) With the app, it's like, I love it because that's what it is, is it's breast health care for all, for everyone. Everyone has a phone now. Even the places we go in Mexico, in tiny little villages, they all have phones. They have cell phones. So with our app, you can get education, information, and support in your home in the privacy of your own bedroom or bathroom or wherever you are. And so it's really providing something that is needed, which is access to everyone. So the more support we can get from partners and organizations to share our app with, you know, their audience, the more we can get it out there and the more people we can help. Yeah. 
How did you come up with the name Keep Abreast? It's so good. <laughs> I didn't come up with that. <laughs> was it your friend who had breast cancer? No, it was a friend of mine named Howard Brown. Actually, he was working with ESPN. Okay. And so way back in the day when we first started Keep Abreast, the art organization that I had with my friend Mona, who's the co-founder of Keep Abreast, it was called Mode Art. And so Howard, like, because it was an event, Howard did all the artwork and everything for us. And he's like, let's call it Keep Abreast. And we loved it because it's a play on words. Yeah. You know, it's like keep abreast of, you know, health, yeah. education. So as a way that for us just was smart and cool. And it's awesome. Yeah. So go Howard Brown. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Give credit where credit is due. Good karma. And then I want to hear about the work you're doing in Africa. It's small. We have a small team there. And so Keep Abreast, the way that we're organized is we're set up in the U.S. as a nonprofit. We're also set up in Europe and France as a nonprofit. And our global CEO, Lorraine, is French. And so we each have these passion projects. And so her passion country is Africa. And she's traveled there many times in her life as a filmmaker and a documentary producer and photographer and done a lot of work there. And so she ended up getting contact contacted um, by some different organizations there to bring our work. So we really just have um, a small little team of like two people in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and they have our education materials, and they're like street style. Like they just go out to farmers markets, schools, churches, and educate, you know, young women, the women on the streets, how to do their self-check. And it's super simple and it's super amazing and it has a high impact. Same thing with a lot of the work we do in Mexico. Mexico is my passion country. Growing up in San Diego, you know, so close to Mexico, I spent so much time there my whole life. And yeah. so we each have these projects that are part of Keep Abreast that are our personal passions, but then they grow into making impact and education. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. And so our app is available in Spanish, French, and English. Oh, wow. What do they speak in, in they, Africa? Most of them are speaking English. In English, okay. Yeah, in English. And we another version of our app had many, many, many more English languages, but now we just have these three. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we'll add more as time goes. Yeah. My last question to you is I'd love to get your opinion and um, – <laughs> You know, Are you sure? <laughs> probably, yes, I am. And the longer I've talked with you, the more sure I am I want your opinion of the recent guideline changes in mammograms for women, what your initial reaction was. I mean, I think, yes, it's great that it's in the news that they're recommending women younger mm -hmm. to get their mammograms, of course, because the other recommendations were like, over 50. It's insane. And it's like, I'm 50. So come on. It, mm -hmm. It's insane. And there's no baseline. Yeah. And personally, you know, the recommendations, the studies, you know, all these things are, are so challenging because a lot of us base our work on statistics. Mm -hmm. We base what we do on research and facts. And so we have to always question nowadays who funded those studies, yeah. where this information is coming from, are the results biased in any way? And it's such a mind like popcorn machine, right? And so with all of that, it just goes back to like, 
doing what I know that I can make a difference. I know I can educate young people on prevention and early detection, and I know it works, and I know it makes a difference. And so I put my energy and focus there. And obviously, mammography is a great tool. Thermography is a great tool that people don't talk about, Mm -hmm. that isn't mainstream, that I believe is really important. And um, yeah, knowing your family history, getting a baseline, all those things, it's important. Young women get breast cancer. And that was not something people talked about when we started our organizations. And it was super frustrating because there was nothing for young women and they were getting turned away. I mean, we both know many people who were diagnosed young, who were turned away from their doctors many, many, many times. So being your own health advocate, the best way you're going to do that is with knowledge. 100%. You have to be your own best advocate. Yeah. You know, you got to put that mask on first. No one's going to do it for you. Right. And you have to take your body seriously. You have to listen to yourself. You have to feel yourself. And you have to know what your normal is. That's my sort of base. What I always say is you have to know your normal. And then when you're outside your normal, you have to do something about it. You can't live your life in, in the, you know, in the sphere of crazy but you have to know what's normal and know that your normal changes. Right. So, you know, our normal at 12, 18 was very different pre and post getting our periods to now, you know, my normal at 47, the way my body ticks and moves is not the same, but I have to know it so that when I'm outside that normalcy, I can know something's wrong and I might like beacon can go up and, and I can do something about it. One of the things I did a lunch and learn a couple months ago and the gal who was leading it or, you know, put it together, organized it, said, you know, what's the biggest takeaway, Amy, in wrapping up? And I said, everybody in here should have a gynecologist. Yeah. And it was a group of women in their between 23 and 36. And I said, everyone in here should have a gynecologist and have seen a, that gynecologist, man or woman, you know, by now. Yeah. And so many women in that room had never seen a gynecologist wow. before. And I said, if you don't have one, please please email me and I will help you find one. (laughs) And even if that means it's not your special doctor that you see all the time, although that's what I would recommend, but you go to a clinic, whatever it is. I mean, that is part of being a woman and going to a doctor who specializes in our womanly parts because just getting a pap smear is not enough. Right. And if you don't know how to give a self-breast exam, at least you're seeing a doctor who's going to do it for you every year, although you should be doing it more often. But there are women who are afraid. I mean, women came up to me and they're like, I am so afraid to see a gynecologist. I'm like, why? I don't know. It's so, so scary. What are they going to do? And it's like, it's like it's getting your life. teeth cleaned. You yeah. know, you got to do it. Got to do it. It sucks and you might have plaque, but you got to deal with it. And so my guess is you go to your dentist and you get your hair colored and your hair cut. Like you got to go to your gynecologist. And yeah, I mean, maybe their moms a, weren't taking them as young women. I don't know. I don't know. That maybe, uh, yeah, like a generational disconnect. You but know, I it is important to know you're normal. And we say the same thing. And even in the app, you know, you set an automatic reminder to do your self-check once a month. Yeah. And that's how you know. And there's a little section in there where you can take notes. If you found something that felt weird, then you write it in there. Then that way, the next month, you're like, you're not going to remember. You don't remember. And so you're like, oh, let me check my notes. And then through the app, you can connect with Carbon Health 
if you find something. And so I'm sure you know about them. They're awesome. That's awesome. LA based. Great connection. Yeah, I love them. They're so amazing. And so we can connect you with them to set up a virtual Kaler appointment to talk about what you found, what it felt like, and then get a referral if you need it. And so So for many years of having the app, that was the piece that we were missing is like, what happens if someone finds something? Yeah, then what? You don't Where leave can them. they go? Yeah. You know, so having this partnership, we have hospitals in Mexico and Europe and here in the U.S. that we partner with so we can refer people there, you know, as well as there's questions in there of, you know, what to ask when you're at the doctor. Mm-hmm. So it's back to advocacy, like having the information on your phone right there. You go to the doctor. This is what I found. It's been there for three months. Mm -hmm. I tracked it. It's not normal. And that information helps you be a better advocate for yourself. Absolutely. hundred percent. And wasn't that one of the good things to come out of COVID was being able to have virtual doctor's appointments. I still do it. Me too. And it's not necessarily to replace in person because they're obviously, you know, because you're going to call just, there's things that that gynecologist is going to do. They can't do virtually. But those in-betweens, where you normally would just not go see a doctor because it's a pain or you can't or insurance wouldn't fully cover it or whatever the reasons that now you can have these virtual appointments that are like quick, but you can get your your questions answered and and get the care that you need. Gosh, that was one of a, it's a really good thing to come out of. And I think it changed healthcare. You know, we helped the hospitals in Mexico that we were working with move to virtual care in many ways. And they wouldn't have done that. And it's so helpful, I think, for so many people that, you know, couldn't actually make it to the doctor. Yeah, it was it was one of those great things. That and working out virtually. <laughs> <laughs> All the classes that are online. Now. You can travel and still get your workouts. Oh, that um, was fun. This was amazing. Thank you so much for coming and schlepping all the way here from oh, Joshua Tree. This was just great. And what your foundation has done is is truly incredible. You've touched so many women's lives, young people, girls' lives. And I love, love, love the way that it's just stayed so true to its roots and the community that you're based in. It's so authentic and so phenomenal. And, you know, it, it's not a surprise meeting you and talking to you because, you know, there's a reason why it is the way it is. And and congratulations on on doing this for so long and doing it so successfully for so long. It's really, it's really fabulous. Well, thank you. It means so much coming from you, you know, who's also been having a nonprofit for so many years. You know, it's like any business. We have so many ups and so many downs. And, you know, when you're small, people don't always see like what goes into making everything really happen. And I'm just so honored that I get to use like my skills and my creativity in a way that I never thought I would growing up. You know, I never thought this is something I would be doing with my life. I was a fashion designer. And so it's so great to just be able to do what I do best, but have it help people. So I'm really honored. And thanks for letting me come chat with you today. This is awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) 